0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Passion for Passions. My name is Marcus, and I love passions. So this week, we are covering a good span of episodes. I believe it's 15 episodes, and they are episodes 392 to 407. Why such a large span when I usually am not going quite so many at a time? Uh, mainly, I was trying to catch up uh, because of some reasons that I'll maybe mention in the next episode that I'll record, but also... um, There is a through line of a story that's happening here that they keep dragging on and on and on, and I wanted to see it come to a head. I wanted to see a reveal happen, and it finally did start to on the last episode that I uh, watched for this batch, so that's why I did that. But upon looking through it, I made a summary of my notes for each episode, and I found there's really not a lot that happens in these episodes, really. A lot of it is dragging, dragging, dragging on very hard but that's how this show does right so anyway I'm gonna kind of just break it down into things that happen between um different like character plots um a lot of them are like people in pairs but that's because that's how the show rolls anyway I'm just gonna kick it straight off with Whitney and Chad because they're really I feel like there was really was not a lot of them in these episodes so I'm just gonna get them through first because they are a pretty short segment so yeah um it seems like we've kindly come to a new place for them after um Eve was kind of like yeah you can get closer to Chad you know he's a good guy um and obviously she wanted uh Whitney wanted that so she starts to they hold hands they actually kiss it's very sweet um it seems like they're finally open to actually being in a relationship because Whitney is like you know my parents are fine with it and that was kind of like the biggest thing holding her back is her parents approval um they have some cute moments where like They play, they practice tennis together in the sense that he has like the machine that uh, shoots balls for her to hit. So, yeah, it's cute. Um, And they end up going to the engagement party, which I'll talk to later once we get to um, like um, Gwen and her mother, Rebecca, and Ethan and Teresa. But yes, there's an engagement party happening. And Chad and Whitney both go. Of course, they would go. Whitney is Teresa's best friend and knows about her a long, 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 long love or affection for Ethan. And of course, Chad knows as well because apparently he quickly became good friends with Ethan. So he's, and he had like a pact with him and all that good stuff. So yeah, of course they would go. Um, And there's a moment when they're together and they're talking and they're like, imagine like growing up in this place. Imagine being Ethan and growing up in this wealthy home. And Chad's like, wow, yeah, that would be so interesting if I were a crane or whatever. Um, And they're just laughing and talking. They talk to Eve And Chad brings up this little plot like, oh, it'd be interesting. We're talking about like, what if I was a crane? Um, And then Eve just responds like serious face. That can't happen because the baby died. And I was like, holy shit, Eve, bring it down a notch. They were not saying that this was real. This was a hypothetical. Stop it. And she does weasel her way out of it. But um, I'm like, these people always say super incriminating things, but always get away from it somehow. Like again she's talking about babies dying or whatever to ivy and tc comes over he's like oh you were talking about one of your patients oh you have such a heart of gold to care so much about them no dc some of her child anyway yeah so there's not much with them um one question i have is where is simone this like entire time i'm pretty sure i did not see her in any of these episodes um, does this mean we're getting another actress when she comes back or is she just away for a while? Who knows? But anyway, no Simone right now. Um So yes. Let's get to another plot point, which is kind of Grace and Charity. Um, so Grace finds out she's pregnant when she does a blood test for some reason uh with Eve. So, like great, Grace is happy, she wasn't expecting it, and she feels like she's going to have a son. Um, Charity gets real weird about this um, because she knows somewhere in her mind that Sam already has a son and she's having visions of the party that is going to be happening tonight, which, you know, isn't occurring yet when she's having these visions, but yeah. Um, She also, Charity also knows that Grace was pregnant before Grace tells her because, of course, she's got magical powers. Um, Charity, because of these uh, nerve-wracking visions, tries to get... Grace and Sam to stay home but in the end they do end up going out um Charity's talking to I think Kay and says I see terrible things happening to your parents tonight C- Charity that is so creepy do you realize the things that you're saying and how disturbing they are like what is that that is scary but anyway nobody seems to care enough um And something that was interesting to me is Eve is, like, saying if Grace gets too stressed, she'll have a miscarriage. And I'm like, is that true? Stress can cause a miscarriage? To me, yeah, I have to assume it's a lot of stress. Um, Because people are always carrying some amount of stress. Especially parents or to-be parents. So I, I don't know if that's at all based in fact or if Eve's just spouting off some nonsense. I don't know. But anyway, I thought that was interesting nonetheless. Um, so yeah, they go out to the party. Charity stays home with Kay. So Grace, at the party, hears Ivy talking, and uh, because they were talking about like hypotheticals about loving someone or leaving someone that you love and true love. And um, eventually Ivy reveals like she was talking, she basically tells out her story of love with Sam and how it ended. Um, and Grace is like, that person didn't love that guy, because if she did truly love him, they would have stayed together and Ivy's like no that's not true I loved him revealing this was her story not her friend's story so Grace is like oh no I'm so sorry I didn't mean I didn't mean it. I didn't know I would have never said it if I knew it was you and then Sam starts talking about like from his side about the man's side and it's of course he's talking about himself but he's playing it off as if it was somebody else so Grace in her infinite wisdom is like you seem to know a lot about this man was he a close friend? And I'm like, Grace, are you, like, intentionally this stupid? Or are you really thinking and really, really thinking about it and just trying not to accuse him directly? I don't know. But I was like, God, Grace, you're so stupid. <laughs> um, because we don't know. We don't really get a lot of insight into Grace to know, like, if she's truly stupid or if she's she's got her wheels turning and just doesn't want to be honest with herself. I don't know at this point. But yes, continuing on this train, let's go back to Charity. Um, which is where she started out. There were figures trying to pull her into hell. She's telling people about this and everyone's like, no, what are you talking about? And also nobody really seems to care. They've kind of just gotten into, oh, Charity is just insane. Um, Miguel still seems to care, but even he does not believe her anymore, I don't think. I don't think he believes her at all. He's just like accepting that she clearly has some serious issues and is not pushing for her to do anything to, you know, maybe see a doctor, maybe do anything. I don't know. Of course, he's also young. Like, he doesn't know. It's the parents and the adults in this world who should be trying to help Charity. I mean, they tried once. They sent her to the hospital. But now it's like, Okay, that's done. She's fine. I don't know. Miguel, of course, because Charity has been super freaked out, does not want to leave to go to the engagement party. But he should go because he's Teresa's brother. He should definitely go. So Kay basically finally convinces Miguel like, you know what? You really should be there. It's okay. I will stay home. I'll stay with Charity. I'll take care of her. It'll be fine. Um. And of course, Kay is doing this just because Hecuba wants her to make Kay alone so she can push her into the Hell Closet. Um, During this, Reese briefly cameos to bring in like a Ghostbusters vacuum thing and with this stupid vacuum, he actually is able to start sucking up Hecuba. Uh, But Hecuba is telling Kay like, you know, if you don't free me, you don't save me, you'll never get your soul back, you're never gonna fall in love, you're never gonna get married, you're never gonna have kids. Uh, anything. You're going to be a sad sack of shit forever. So because of that, Kay is like, okay, I gotta save you. Um, and then once Reese is gone, Hekiba pulls out the closet again that has the hell creatures in it, and Charity is getting grabbed and sucked away by her minions. There's a big back and forth where Charity is screaming her head off, like, save me, Kay, blah, 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 blah. And Kay temporarily does save her until Haciba is again... You know basically blackmailing her for her soul so Kay does allow charity to be sucked into the hell vortex in her closet and i believe that's where these episodes end where charity's in her closet hell now let's get into tabitha and timmy timmy in his like coolness his fun ingenuity uh, makes basically a photo booth in tabitha's home and uses a Photoshop-like program because the HarperCollins people need a picture of Tabitha for the book, of course, for Hidden Passions, the author picture. And what we know before is that Tabitha does not show up and I think in mirrors and photos apparently. So um, Timmy decides we're gonna make like a wax mask thing for your face, like a, a, mimic, a mimic of your face. And then we'll just put that on you. And that's how we'll take the photo and nobody will know. Because apparently her clothes will show up, just not her. So like her body won't show up in the picture, I guess. Anyway, so yeah, she wears the mask. And when we see it, it's actually like, it's obviously not a mask. It's just Tabitha with her face very still. Um, But yeah. And I think this is the photo effectively that is used on the hardback of Hidden Passions. So I love that tie-in, that complete tie-in. So great. It may not be exactly, but I think it is. I don't have the hardback, but I have seen it on eBay. So I've seen the um, picture before. Um, So yes, Tabitha's book is released and it turns out to be a huge hit. So Tabitha actually goes to the bookstore like Incognito, which is like just wearing sunglasses or something. And here's everyone raving about the book. Apparently nobody in Harmony has read it yet. But everyone else in this random bookstore who's not like a character has read it and they're in love with it or they're reading it currently, I guess. Not sure. But Tabitha mentions or Timmy mentions, somebody mentions that the book has a spell in it that'll make you forget you've read it once you've read it. Um, And that is true. That is also in the Hidden Passions book that they write that there is a spell that once you have completed the book, you will not remember anything about it. And that's how Tabitha figures that it won't hurt her to have this book out there because even if people in Harmony read it, they'll be temporarily, like, a gas, but then they'll forget once they've finished, I guess. I don't know. Um, whatever. Um, so, yeah. Uh, after that, Tabitha and Timmy have money, and they decide to get away because they want to stay away from Hecuba. So they leave. Um, there's a stupid part where they're on the plane, and Timmy freaks out a flight attendant, but whatever, it's not important. Um, where they end up going is basically a Bates Motel-style place. Um, It's very clearly, it's obviously a psycho reference. Um, The only difference being that Norman Bates is now Norma, and instead of a mother figure, there is a father figure. Interestingly though, Tabitha is the, you know, attacked woman still, instead of like that being swapped as well to to like Timmy, I guess. Um, so yeah. What happens here is basically Tabitha gets to enact her own shower scene where Norma comes in with an axe and chops her up. Uh, turns out she's not dead even though she's like down, unmoving in the tub for a while. Um, it seems that Norma just attacked her shampoo bottle which had red shampoo in it. Um, but the threat is not yet over because at the end of the last episode I believe Um, Tabitha opens the door to leave, and uh, Norma is there. So, on to Elise and Sheridan. Uh, They are basically, if I had to describe them in one word for these series of episodes, it would be horny. (laughs) They are following Eve's rules to not have sex, but they desperately want to. Um, As part of their plot, uh, unrelated to the horniness, Alistair is planning to play the tape of Sheridan's hypnosis that he stole from Eve, um, And he expects Sheridan to go to jail because of this. And I'm like, uh, she was a child. Even if she did kill someone, she was a child. Also, uh, is there a Statue of Limitations on murder? Um, also, Eve has already explained this all away to Julian, to she- Well, not to Julian, but he was there, I believe. But also to Sheridan and Louise. This tape or this confession has already been explained away by Eve as not being true, that she, that Sheridan believes she had murdered her, um, had mur- murdered Martin Fitzgerald, but really she was just having horrible nightmares about this because of what? Because of guilt about her mother's death and thinking it was her fault. So why is this a big deal? Well, maybe Alistair doesn't know, even though he has cameras everywhere, maybe Alistair doesn't know that this was already explained away, potentially. I feel like he knew that already, But yeah, I think it's weird that he kind of perceives this to be a showstopper. And if it ends up being a showstopper, like this tape gets played and Louise and Sheridan flip out about it, I'm going to be very upset because they already got over this. Unless there's some way that Alistair can prove that this hypnosis-induced confession is true, which I don't see how he could, then this is stupid. Unless I guess Alistair tells them directly, yes, she did murder uh, uh, Martin and we covered it up. I guess that would make it more realistic or believable because Alistair is like the man who would have the power to cover up and everything. Anyway, I don't know. Um, So Alistair plans to call up Luis and play the tape for him, but Eve intervenes and like make sure he can't uh, hear the, the recording on the phone. So as a result, Alistair decides he will play the tape at the party but he is waylaid by this plan when he sees the tabloid, so he has to put it off. Um, also, Louise and Sheridan leave the party before this tape would have been played anyway. Um, they basically go back to the cottage being all romantic and horny together. So yeah, like there's like a full episode where they're in a tub together and that is all. Um, but at the very last episode, they get a call from Teresa uh, where she's saying like something terrible is happening and I need you here um, that they know they cannot have sex yet and they must return to the mansion curse that um what is it called where the phone when you leave a message on a phone what is that called an answering machine oh my god i'm so sorry (laughs) curse those answering machines if they hadn't had that i guess they wouldn't have known and wouldn't have gone back they would have been able to have sex i don't know anyway On to the final and most major plot point related to Rebecca, Gwen, Ethan, Teresa, Ivy, and Julian, and I guess Alistair as well. So what happens next is Rebecca ends up throwing an engagement party for Ethan and Teresa because she was going to reveal the thing about Ivy's letter and whatnot. But Gwen basically makes her not do that. So as a result, they have to come up with some sort of announcement because they're like, Peacocking around like Rebecca's like, I'm gonna tell you a secret. Um, so that's why she has to throw this as a cover. But during this, um, when she's helping Teresa write an engagement like announcement for the newspaper, she realizes that she can use email to anonymously send letters to the press. She's gonna send that letter from Ivy to Sam to the press. Um I I don't know how she was sending it anonymously, like was it easy to create emails back in the day? I, I don't know, like pre-Gmail? Like, I don't even know what emails were like before that. Like, aside from given to you from an ISP, how did you get an email? Or if you were, like, going to college, maybe? Um, like, so how did she anonymously email someone? Unless, like, contact forms on websites existed. But again, I mean, this would be, like, 2001, I guess. Yeah, there were websites. I guess it would have to be a contact form. They certainly weren't using, like, Signal or some anonymous app. But anyway, she sends an email anonymously to the press. The sleazy press. And uh, the tabloid journals indeed start salivating over this story. There's a brief moment where the tabloid manager, boss man, is like, we can't print this because the cranes run us or whatever and can choose whatever stories will or not go to print. Uh, But they end up going for it anyway because they're just, like, salivating madly over how this is such a massive story. Um, so I guess, like, the Cranes are not just famous people. They're, like, I mean, not wealthy. They're, like, famous wealthy, um, for whatever reason, even though they're not, like, actors or something. Anyway, yeah. Um, so Gwen is, like, upset, but she goes with it in the end. Um, the tabloid man has, he comes, he decides he's gonna go to the Crane mansion and, like, show this to the Cranes directly. Um, he does get in after some troubles, um, And he confronts Julian, and Julian, like, pulls out his gun to shoot this man because he initially does not believe this as a true story, right? He just thinks it's a tabloid, you know, sleazy smear journalism, and that's not real at all. But um, once he sees the letter from Ivy and says, like, oh, yeah, that's her handwriting and stuff, he suddenly believes the tabloid as a true story. And that sets him off, as you would expect. It is a big deal. Also, during this reveal to Julian, he calls Ethan the light of my... He says, light of my life, light of my life, fire of my loins. And uh, I'm like, good job quoting the opening line of Lolita. Um, And that's a bit creepy in context since he's talking about his son. And that line in Lolita is referencing um, Herbert or whatever, Herbert's... um, Fascination with Lolita, so I don't know that that's a good thing for Julian to say about uh, Ethan, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. So Julian confronts every Ivy at the party, but he does it in front of everybody. So initially, everybody is like aghast and is thinking like he's this crazy abusive spouse because he is like yelling at her, grabbing her, and. It's like, wow, that is not a good look at all. And everyone is here. And the tabloid man is just in the back like with his little pocket camera and taking pictures and and giggling about it. Um, And so this goes on for a long time where he is not revealing what he knows, but he is just like upset. Capital U Upset. But as it goes on, people start to think maybe Julian knows Ivy's secret. Because a lot of people know (laughs) Sam knows, Eve knows Teresa and Pilar know I guess TC knows as well Um, Teresa tells Whitney and Chad like everybody knows Um, except for I suppose Ivy and Ethan and previously Julian and Alistair who doesn't know I guess a lot of people do know Um, but yeah so finally we get a moment where Julian gets close to Ivy and tells her that he knows her secret. He knows about the letter to her lover that she never mailed. And at that point, Ivy is like, done. She knows that he knows. And she passes out. Um, she begs Julian in private, please do not disclose this secret. Please do not. I cannot tell. Ethan, please don't tell. And Julian maybe cares slightly because he kind of says it's too late you know it doesn't matter what I do because everybody is going to know and that is when he shows Ivy the tabloid paper with the front page story about Ethan where it says like basically Ethan Crane is Sam Bennett's son um yeah so it's like oh my god oh my god and like for some reason Miguel and Grace are not here the entire time They're like upstairs and not noticing anything that's happening lucky for them but yeah The last episode closes with Julian coming face-to-face with Ethan at the front in the middle of the party and Julian is like something about father and Julian says I am not your father you are not a crane and I was like oh damn he is so close like this is like the reveal is going to happen I mean even that line you could interpret like maybe um, Ethan would say you're just upset you're calling me not a crane or whatever um, what did I do to upset you, father? But it's just a few words away from saying, like, Ivy had sex with another man and you are his son. Oh my god. This is what I was waiting for. And I'm still kind of waiting because I want Ethan to know. I want Ethan to know. Ivy knowing that Julian knows is a big deal. But I want Ethan to hear it. And we're still not there yet. But I have to hope it's soon. How long can they keep dragging this along? I don't know. But yeah, that was what I was waiting for. And that's why this these I went through so many episodes. So yeah, that's where we are right now. I am very into it, even though it's, you know, hair-pullingly annoying sometimes. I very much want to see Ethan, hear Julian and believe him. I assume he won't believe it if Julian says it or even if he sees the tabloid. But if Ivy, you know, confirms Ethan, yes, it's true, that's when his role will fall apart. And I want to see that. Because Ethan, for the most part, has never felt that way, it seems. Even with this drama about choosing Gwen and Teresa, he didn't seem obscenely torn around about it, honestly. But yeah, I am ready for that. I am so ready. Um, I don't know at all how the Louise and Sharon thing is going to play out because I feel like they shouldn't care. Um, because they've already had a reason why Sheridan believed that, uh, lie, quote, lie. Um, but I don't know. And those are really the main plot points. I don't give a fuck about charity and Hell, um, but I guess that's going to be a big deal too, probably. Tabitha and Timmy with the psycho story, mm, not a big deal to me because I know they'll get out, at least I hope so. Um, I know Timmy dies at some point in the show. I don't know if this would be here though. Either way, I know it happens sometime soon because I feel like, unfortunately, the actor um, did not live long into this series in real life, um, sadly. But we will see. Um, and I'm also curious, when is the Hidden Passions book going to be read by like the main characters in this show? Are they ever going to read it? Or was that literally just like a marketing push across media thing where the book came out in stores for real? I don't know. But anyway, that's where we are with all these things going on, and I'm having fun. I'm still having fun. I'm still enjoying the show. Despite the frustration sometimes, I'm still having fun. So yeah, that is this episode of Passion for Passions, and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode.